Welcome back, everybody. It's time for our newest show here on OC Talk Radio, This Week with Wendy. The only show where you'll find some real talk about the SoCal estate of mind. With your host, Wendy Ross, who after decades of working at real estate brokerages in Silicon Valley and here in the OC, decided it was time to create a different real estate business model. And so she did. That's when Veracity Real Estate entered the market. Everyone said the time was right for renewed commitment to bespoke client advocacy at all price levels. Seldom available within high-cost luxury markets like here in Southern California. And that's what she built. A company of data-driven real estate investment advisors who are truth seekers and truth tellers. So, Wendy, what kind of truth are you going to share with us today here? Good morning, Paul. You know me. I'm bringing the data, bringing the numbers. <laughs> bringing it real. <laughs> bringing the real estate of mind. Uh, and, you know, you can count on me for market analysis you won't find anywhere else. And one of the ways that I can bring you market analysis you won't find anywhere else is guests like we have today. We, uh, we are a bunch of people who do deep analysis, and we work with experts, and we study from the best. And so today we have Antoinette Balta from Veterans Legal Institute and Nick Siphon from Vendival Corporation and IEGS Corporation. So before we dive into our conversation with these brilliant minds, let's do a quick framing of last week's market. And again, I, I know you all know, but listeners may not. I only talk about what's going on in Orange County. If you want information about other Southern California regions, feel free to reach out to me independently. and We'll talk about that. So this past week, we had 85 homes preparing to come onto the market. 355 homes actually did come onto the market. 658 went into escrow last week, and 416 sold. To give you some context, that's about half what it should be. You know, during peak months in Orange County real estate, we should see something in the neighborhood of eight to 9,000 homes on the market in any given month, and between 4,500 to 6,500 of them sell any given month. We've got half the inventory, and subsequently we have just a little bit more than half normal sales. So we're gobbling up still a fair amount, considering we have nothing really to choose from. Where that put us month to date is we have 3,036 homes that came onto the market. 2,318 sold, and they sold in an average of eight days on the market. So the heat is on, nothing is getting better. It's just more of the same intense pressure. And of course, it drove median price up yet again. So, so far, month to date in November, which is effectively over, our median price was 915,000, and that's versus 910,000 last month. So it's just gruesome. Um, everyone, again, we talked about this last month with my buddy Rick Charga, who is the VP of Realty Track, who knows everything about everything foreclosure related. <laughs> Everyone's asking, so what's going on with the distressed inventory? It's not coming. It's absolutely not coming. Month to date, we had 109 listings. That's it. We wanted to have seven, 8,000 listings overall. So if we got 109 of them that were in some form of distress, that's like not even a drop of a drop. We had 89 of them go into escrow and 47 of them sold. So people, if you're waiting for a distress sale to hit the market, stop it. That's stupid. Price is going to keep going up. Interest rates are going to continue to go up, and you're going to pay more, and I'm just going to make more money later. So I would advise you to hurry on up and get your home purchased. More importantly, every week I'm asking notable names to join me so we can provide you with a behind-the-scenes analysis of what's going on in SoCal real estate. And as you probably know by now, I look at things a little bit differently, and so do my guests. And today we're sharing what the industry knows and sometimes what the industry doesn't want you, the consumer, to know, but I do because I know that your home can be your greatest investment if you know how the game is played. That brings me back to today's guests. 
Antoinette Balta and Nick Siphon to discuss veteran housing and veterans' issues in Southern California. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We couldn't get greater experts in this area. So here's a little background on them. Antoinette Balta is the executive director and co-founder of Veterans Legal Institute. She's a formal Equal Justice Works AmeriCorps Legal Fellow, a 2018 Presidential Leadership Scholar, and she spent six years in the California State Guard. Nick Siphon is the founder and chairman of Vandeval Corporation and spent 24 years in the military, both in the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Army. He retired from the Army in 2008 at a rank of captain after serving the country with distinction. He served in various conflicts, such as um, those in and around Iraq, and he's been recognized for his service to the country. And I can't say this enough. Thank you both for your service. Thank you very much. Who would know? Such beautiful people and such badasses. <laughs> All right. So let's launch into our conversation with you, brilliant minds, and ladies first. So Antoinette, please tell us, what is Veterans Legal Institute? And what sort of law do you practice? Well, thank you, Wendy, for having me today. And thank you for bringing housing to veterans and to the civilians out there and bringing this information to us. Veterans Legal Institute is a nonprofit law firm. We practice public interest law. Our services are free. No veteran ever receives a bill. And the reason we do that is because we really want our low income and homeless veterans and their families to be able to access housing, just like their civilian counterparts. We want to remove any barriers to health care or employment or education to really empower them into that self-sufficiency. It's a little bit shameful. It's a lot shameful, actually, that we have to concern ourselves with housing insecurity among the men and women who have literally put their lives on the line for us. You know, I, I can't I can't impress upon you enough how important your work is, and I think you know that you're near and dear to my heart. As bad as it has always been in terms of getting the veterans to reintegrate into civilian life, how has the pandemic affected them, and, and how is that affecting you at VLI? Well, you know, Everybody's really been affected by this pandemic differently. And mental health is so unique amongst people that some people really struggle and some are really thriving. Mm. What we see with veterans that are already in a vulnerable state, the added isolation and alienation, um, the, the less income, the mental health issues that nobody wants to talk about, those have really been dramatic. And veteran suicide is on the rise. So a lot of people talk about the 22 a day veterans that unfortunately take their own lives a day a day in this nation which is more than in combat more overseas that die in war it's it's really a war on u.s soil that nobody's talking about and um you know i don't believe those numbers even take into account suicide by overdose accidental overdose mm -hmm. in other ways mm -hmm. um so the pandemic has been really unfortunate and that's why i think now more than ever it's really time to walk hand in hand and advocate zealously mm -hmm. Um, in any capacity for um, anyone who's struggling. And it sounds to me, too, I mean, as awful, obviously, as the statistic is, if someone is um, a service person who takes their life, they leave people behind. And these are also people that you're there to advocate for and help, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, nobody really talks about how the family serves alongside the service member. Absolutely. And they really are invisible. So it is time to recognize them and acknowledge them and really help them out. You know, it's not easy moving around with each new deployment or new station and so these families that really give up their careers and they have to switch schools the children mm -hmm. um, they really are the unspoken of heroes of our nation they really are and this is a conversation i get to have 
sometimes with my mom and pop, you know, landlords and things. And really, we encourage them, take a look at these people who are service members, and they may be a transient tenant for you, but they're an important tenant for you. And and don't dismiss them because you're thinking of your greater good. Let's think about the greater, greater good for just a minute. So can you give us real life client examples of what's going on with your, your clients today? Absolutely. I mean, we do at Veterans Legal Institute, a huge array of civil legal services. So it could be you know, helping um, with complex veteran benefit appeals if a service member, you know, is a survivor of military sexual trauma mm. and as a result has post-traumatic stress. And they apply to the VA and they say, hey, I have this ailment or illness related to my injury from the military. Mm-hmm. And the VA says, well, we don't see it. It's not tangible. You don't have proof. No one was there. Mm-hmm. That can really create a conflict within that veteran. It can um, cause issues with lack of validation. It can, they can feel betrayed on top of the stress or the trauma that they've already experienced. So we go in and we fight for them. We fight for their benefits, whether it's for, you know, post-traumatic stress or their traumatic brain injury or a broken, you know, shoulder. We'll do that. We provide um, services for upgrades of their discharge. If they are a survivor of military sexual trauma and they were wrongly separated from the military for either speaking out wow. or acting out. Yeah, and, and that's common both amongst men and women or for other issues, whether it's discrimination based on age or race or religion, gender. And then there's always, you know, estate planning for the older adult and terminally ill yeah. veterans and, and consumer law issues and, and landlord tenant. You know, how do we advocate for our veterans to stay housed? How do we work hand in hand with landlords and collaborate and cooperate with other resources and programs yes. out there to make sure our veterans and their families stay housing secure. Yes. I I don't think societally we're talking about that enough. Housing insecurity is a very real issue. Um, And it's shocking that as wealthy as we are here in Orange County overall, we have this enormous issue. And I'm delighted that you guys are both here so we can talk about it and shed more light on it. Because we can, if not completely fix it, we can start down the road towards getting the remedy for it for all of all of our people. Absolutely. And Wendy, you know more than other people that when somebody is about to become homeless, it's much easier to prevent that and less expensive mm-hmm. than once they become homeless and they're on the street. So I did want to give you an example that we did have a veteran and her family. Um, she lost her job during the pandemic because of the pandemic. She sure. wasn't able to access resources quickly enough. You know, because she has a lot of pride, she never filed for her benefits because she said, you know, I'll get through it. Other people need it more, mm-hmm. which is common amongst veterans to be proud. I'll and soldier through kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so she lost her job and we were able to work with another organization and the thank, you know, thank God the landlord was amicable. Mm-hmm. We were able to get up to six months worth of back rent from this organization to get this veteran and her family stabilized. Meanwhile, she was able to get employed and we connected her to her benefits so that she's able to access the health care that she needs, mm-hmm. especially the mental health care, as well as be compensated for the lifetime of her injury. So, you know, her kids are still in the same home. They're still going to be in the same school district. They're still stable. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to lose out on their security deposit or have to come up with storage fees or first and last right. month's rent again. They're housed. And that's the biggest gift that we could have given them. It's really important for people in the real estate market to kind of understand these issues, especially when considering how they want to conduct their philanthropy. Oh, yes. Well, and that's a great segue because I wanted to ask you, how can regular people like me get involved? Well, I mean, you've been involved. You're incredible. And and you're the prime example of of how people can get involved. You know, you've 
how do you want to volunteer? You've got your time, you've got your talent, you've got your treasure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in your case, you just spent 6,000 hours along with Kara and Gina <laughs> from Veracity and a few others um, helping us with our silent auction for our event. And, you know, our event raised over $200,000 and that. That's, that's fantastic. It's incredible because, you know, that funds three attorneys. Each attorney can help up to 200 veterans a year. So it's super impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can obviously donate funds. Today is Giving Tuesday. I know this might air a few days later, but it's Giving Tuesday every We're Tuesday. We're live streaming right now. Oh, so are we? You go, well, girl. hey, guys. Veterans Legal Institute, check us out on social media. We're on the gram. <laughs> um, and, you know, other ways are you can uh, serve on the board. If you have a certain skill set or talent, you can donate that. We've got lots of families in need over the holiday season. So um, as a side gig at Veterans Legal Institute, we we pass along their names and, and their wish list. And it's not just the children. You know, we have a lot of single veterans that have, you know, no holiday cheer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a million ways you can give back. So the question is more to the listener is, how do you guys want to pay it forward? That's awesome. And just so everyone knows, um, when this does get posted on um, the podcast channel, we're going to have all of Antoinette and Nick's contact information. So don't you worry. We'll connect you with them so you can donate your time or your talent or your treasure and there is nothing more fun, I think, than going to a Veterans Legal Institute gala and dropping a bunch of money on just fun, crazy stuff. So I like it, too. I encourage that. <laughs> I'm a deep, deep, deep supporter. So moving on to Nick, I, I've been dying to ask you this since I've known you. And, and I've known you guys. I mean, you're my friends because we have such common goals and, and interests in life. But sure. what is Vendival and what is the meaning behind that name? Yeah, so uh, good morning, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me here today. Vendival... Uh, Corporation was created uh, as a result of many years of fundraising and not being able to uh, raise enough money and every year getting just a little bit rougher uh, raising money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what Antoinette said and the efforts that all of you put into uh, her fundraising efforts uh, is, makes a big difference. Uh, so Vendeval, I created Vendeval to be able to build something, earn income, and put it back into the programs that we will collaborate with. For example, people and leaders like Antoinette and mm-hmm. her organization. Um, but Vendeval makes life simple, living simple. Uh, so we develop mixed-use apartments and uh, retail shops and are able to have income from those developments and at the same time putting in the right people uh, to live there and to work there, uh, single families, uh seniors and veterans, of course. So when you say you're generating income, you're generating income so you can then push it right back into the benefit programs? So it becomes kind of like Mm -hmm. self-sufficient. We're able to lower rent, so we keep it affordable. Nice. That's the key word over here is making it uh, reasonably economically Oh, because it's not expensive to live in SoCal. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, I think the what you were talking about earlier about – you know, availability of uh, residents for, you know, affordable pricing. Unfortunately, we're behind, way behind. We are. We could build uh, thousands and millions of homes and still be behind yeah. uh, nationwide. In California, uh, of course, it makes a big difference. In Southern California, we face a big challenge. We have a lot of military bases and a lot of veterans around the military bases that face challenges of getting a job, translating or transitioning their uh, military occupation into a civilian occupation and going on. I mean, most of these veterans, we talk about them and they serve our country, but they are part of the community. I mean, of course. Be- before they became veterans, they 
our, our community. Mm-hmm. So they leave uh, our community, become veterans, and then when they come back to the communities, it could be the same community they left from or a different one, depending on where they get out uh, when they're discharged. But they start all over again. And it's really sometimes after years of training, um, you know, working with uh, high-tech technology, and you mm-hmm. come out, and now you're looking for a place to live. Right. You need to start looking for where to eat. Your, your three meals a day are not offered to you anymore for right. nothing. Uh, you're looking for your health care. You're dealing with the VA. You're looking for benefits. I mean, every single person is tailored differently. Yeah. And the needs are much different. So uh, Vendeval, and it's a Spanish word for strong winds. Initially, we were going to build the first project in Santa Ana. So that's how we came up with Vendeval. That's where I live. Ana I winds. love it. <laughs> But uh, now we're building, uh, we're hoping for over 400 apartments in Moreno Valley in Riverside County with uh, plenty of uh, retail businesses. We're starting, That's a great start. Starting a lot of programs. We don't just build and give housing, but we work and collaborate with organizations, wonderful organizations like Antoinette's organization, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to bring the professionals so they could do their work using our facilities. Exactly. So we're kind of an extension. We allow you know them to do their work. But at the same time, we would be uh, huge sponsors. So you're sort of aggregating all these other professionals. Absolutely. So you know, uh, there's a tremendous amount of resources and go- government resources, private resources, and, and nonprofits that just work. And so we don't want to shy them away or try to start something similar to theirs. Sure. We want to bring them in and welcome them. That is great. So you're they just being value. a concierge for them. Absolutely, because we have the means to build. We have the experience to build. And they have the experience of doing the job. Mm-hmm. So how wonderful would that be at putting both of them together? Well, and I think sometimes people oversimplify it. Bringing um, anyone from military service back into civilian life, it's not just about giving them three squares and a roof over their head. I mean, they've lost their team. They've lost their unit. They've lost their understanding of where they fit into the fabric of day-to-day life. So it makes sense to, to me that you're... Yeah. You have to give them the opportunity to succeed. Yeah. And when that opportunity is not given to them, and sometimes you don't need to give them a handout, you need to give them a hand up. Mm-hmm. So uh, helping them to guide them into the right thing, not necessarily doing it for them or giving them something for free. Right. You just have to help them out. Sometimes a small little hint of what to do or who to see or who to talk to could help tremendously in one way or another. And it could be in different needs. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, like I said before, either in healthcare or or rental space or maybe a job maybe a resume so it's just sometimes it's really simple and it's just we, we need to help them well and like Antoinette was saying I my mind has been blown over all the veterans benefits that are out there and and I think we civilians naively think oh they've got all these benefits but navigating the VA is a bureaucratic nightmare and if you don't have an advocate to help you actually get your benefits you're not going to get them absolutely you always need somebody like an organization like Antoinette or even the American Legion, Veteran mm. of Foreign Wars, mm-hmm. you know. There's a lot of military and veteran organizations out there, in addition to the civilian nonprofits that work and, and do wonders mm-hmm. every single day. So but when we all pull together we can make a difference. Yes. And one of the programs in to link it to your real estate is mm. helping them not only transition into housing but also home ownership. So although we don't mm-hmm. build homes and sell them or give them to the military, we build uh, a lot of rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to call it transition or, per, or or just you know for a short period of time. We want to help them and guide them into maybe 
getting into home ownership. Yes. So they go through the wealth management and their financial training mm -hmm. to help them succeed into finding a job, saving money, buying a home as quickly as they could. So they can actually start their own legacy for their family. Absolutely. Because I think we all know, especially in high cost areas like ours, the sooner you can get into home ownership, the sooner you can start aggregating wealth. And the longer you wait, the farther away that goal is going to get Absolutely. from you. Yeah. But Having said all that, I know that you're, you're building your 400-unit community, but what is the state of veteran housing in Southern California right now? Yeah, so we, we face a huge amount of shortage for housing. Uh, many of the veterans uh, reach out to the VA for VASHUD vouchers, uh, Section 8, uh, any type of housing assistance. And, you know, again, Antoinette's organization gets them mm -hmm. to where they need to go. Uh, but there you is know, a Nick, huge waiting That's why, list. though, you're so important because we can get the vouchers, believe it or not. We're getting HUD VASH, which is similar to Section 8, but for military. Okay. What we don't have are landlords that yes. accept it. And so when Nick comes in with this huge um, vision of Vendival and he says, I'm going to provide 400 units of veteran housing. It's mm -hmm. 400 veterans and their families right. that now have a safe and secure roof over their heads. So, And like Section 8, these vouchers are guaranteed income for the landlords, yes. right? Absolutely. So I don't know why a landlord wouldn't consider this. And even if you are taking slightly below market rent, it's guaranteed money. You don't have to worry about vacancies. These people are going to be paid for by, you know, good old Uncle Sam. So. Mm. Let me um, just make one comment about that. The uh, uh, the vouchers and the Section 8 mm -hmm. are available, especially for veterans, and we can get them. But sometimes the affordability, it's not That's just building the them, but it's also keeping the rent low. Right. So by us doing the construction management and, and lowering our cost to build, we're able to lower our rents. And not having so much of... Uh, the greedy big corporations that are trying to make as much money as possible or mm -hmm. you know so we want to set an example out there that we're able to do it for a lot less and charge a lot less see and that's so stinking refreshing so okay we have a lack of housing we have do you guys have any sense of like can you give me a number of how many unhoused veterans you think there are in southern california well there's a lot of reports that come out all the time and it depends on who does it but mm. you i i could very comfortably say that in Orange County, there's more than 2,000. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's hard to get an active or an accurate count because a lot of people couch surf. So they stay at their battle buddies' houses or with mm -hmm. family, but they never really have a home because they couch surf. A lot of people sleep in their cars mm -hmm. um, and they sleep in parking lots. So it's not uncommon, even student veterans who are going to community college to better themselves, mm -hmm. a lot of those student veterans are sleeping in their cars. That's incredible and tragic and we can't change it overnight but we can certainly start um you know there was something that you had said to me nick on another occasion when you were talking about building these affordable living situations for people and i know that you have to get really in bed with municipalities about yes. that so how is it that cities can get involved what should they be doing yeah so the cities have to ch change their mindset on uh, you know when it comes to uh, upzoning uh, a property what do you mean by upzoning so when you change the zone on a property, it allows you to build more. So it's higher density. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that sometimes with high-end neighborhoods, the high density comes in and they kind of maybe lowers the value of the homes in that neighborhood. I disagree with that, but yeah. go on. But if it's done properly, if it's brought in with programs, with uh, activities and bringing in the community to help, 
then you could really uplift the value of those homes. Mm -hmm. So a, a, a project like ours has so much to give back to the community, even those homes that live there are able to use the facilities and to better their lives not just into the day-to-day or even, you know, in, in those communities have veterans in there. So the mm-hmm. veterans in those communities, you, you always find a veteran somewhere, Of course, right? yes. And and they could probably be living well and have jobs and stuff like that, but they there might be an item that they need, and so they can come into our facility and use it. So we're bringing something, we're adding value to the neighborhood. We're not diminishing it or turning it into, a, uh, you know, a, a disastrous uh, area. Well, it would make sense to me if you've got a community center where people can go and figure out how to get the benefits that they need, how to get the housing that they need, how to get the skills to reenter the workforce that they need, they're going to be more of a, a positive component of society. So for people to be frightened of that is really unfortunate because what you're doing is making their community better. You're lifting everyone together. So, and it's it's interesting when I talk to people about, all right, you know, Senate Bills 9 and 10 came out and, and the, the wealthy came out with pitchforks and said, not in my backyard. I don't want my single family lot to have two or three or God forbid, even four living units on it, you know, and, and the parking and, 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 and. Well, do you want to be like Santa Monica and have porta potties on the corner? You know, do you want to have human feces on your front yard? Because if we don't do something about it, that's that's where we're going and we're going there fast. Um, and, and I can speak from direct experience. You guys have both been to my home I have a single family home in Santa Ana, and I do have an ADU in the backyard, and I have family members living there. So I am contributing because my family members are not out there on the open market gobbling up an entry-level rental that could have gone to a veteran. So even if people are saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to have a rental in my backyard, start looking at your own family. Can you put family members back there? And if you can, talk about doing that because that's going to open up a housing unit for somebody else who really needs it. So there are some sort of tangential ways we can actually participate in being part of the solution. So I and mean, that's my own little soapbox thing, but how else can we as individuals help with uh, housing veterans, both of you, ideas? You know, I think it's really important um, in your support of veteran housing, if that's not your area of expertise, to really seek out organizations that are led by veterans like Vendival or at least run by people that have a familiarity and a history mm-hmm. and an understanding of military cultural competency. Um, because at the end of the day, when you serve a veteran, the issues are unique to their civilian counterparts. So someone like Nick, while he is in the uh, 90% of successful veterans that understand leadership that came back stronger, and mm-hmm. um, he understands his brothers and sisters that are in that bottom 10%. He understands their issues. He understands what they've been through. So he is, you know, strongly already um, in a foundation where he knows how to best serve them. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to recreate the wheel. He understands them. He's been in that mindset. So, you know, when seeking that out, look at who's running the program and their history and their expertise. Look at if the program is wholly military specific, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a civilian nonprofit that may just start a veteran-serving unit because the funding was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at how you can you know, uniquely use your talents. If you're an accountant, if you're a lawyer, if you're some sort of other professional that can provide an actual service, that and can be helpful. It's limitless. I mean, even people who are stylists, I mean, civilians and, and, and military personnel 
are different. And so if somebody's re-entering the workplace, they may, may need someone to help them understand how to dress, you know, and, and what sort of bag to carry. And for gentlemen, what type of haircut is going to get you through the door and through the interview? It, the the ways we can give back are myriad. It's so funny that you bring that up because um, one of the veterans I know, his name is Ralph Encinas, and he happens to have uh, a barber shop in Santa Ana. But I know for a fact that he has cut um, dozens of veterans here mm-hmm. free of charge because he wants them to be able to have a great appearance for when they apply for that job. So, I mean, there are people that are giving back in their own way, and that's super meaningful because, you know, maybe but for that clean trim, that person may not have right. um, been able to get the job or may have been too intimidated to even show up to the interview. So he gives mm-hmm. them their confidence in that way. So. Um, there are so many ways and, right. and you and your capacity in real estate have, you know, mentored a lot of people into homeownership. I know um, one of your producers, Cara Rafael, has helped Veterans Legal Institute with PR and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick is a huge supporter with Vendaval of Veterans Legal Institute, even though he's putting in his full time into his own service of veterans. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody can contribute. And that is why we're here today. I'm so excited that we're at least getting the word out there for people so they understand you know, that they can contribute and how they can contribute. And again, on the podcast, you'll have all kinds of contact information so you know how to reach these glorious people. Um, you've given us so much to consider, so much to follow up on. I'm going to have to have you back again and again. And I do have a few more questions for you, a little bit off topic, a little bit more fun. But for the moment, Paul, would you please tell us a bit about this week's sponsor? <music> clear from today's show and others that you've surrounded yourself with some great people, including our sponsor today, Ford and Diulio. Ford and Diulio is an Orange County-based boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from big law firms. The partners founded Ford and Diulio on the concept of aligned interests. That means where their success is tied to your success and where they're rewarded for being efficient and effective and where they engage in the relentless pursuit of their clients' goals, whether in litigation, in mediation, or at trial. If that's something you've been missing with your law firm, why not check out one of the best, Ford Diulio. It's forddiulio.com, spelled F-O-R-D-D-I-U-L-I-O. Ford Diulio. And with that, we bring it back to uh, Wendy and her guests. And do I get to ask a question here? Absolutely, Paul. <laughs> Antoinette's been on several of our shows, as has Nick. And I'm always struck by the statistics they bring with us. I'm wondering if the recent drawdown in Afghanistan and elsewhere is going to increase the amount of homeless vets coming back, wondering what to do. Are we looking for a surge in this? That's such a great point to bring up. You know, it the withdrawal um, of United States uh, from Afghanistan has had a huge negative impact on those that served and those families that suffered um, over there. So we've had an increase in um, mental health issues, a lot of people questioning their sacrifice, whether they lost a limb or a family member, wow. because they were so deeply vested in the success and victory of the Afghan people, and especially the women and the children. Um, so we have noticed a negative impact um, of that decision on our veterans and their families. Nick, have you have you witnessed the same? 
Yes, uh, some of the units that were serving in Afghanistan, uh, you know, they when they come back from the deployment, they're kind of spread out through our nation. Uh, some of them are from different communities. If they remain in the military, sometimes, you know, housing is available uh, or housing uh, variable housing allowances are available. So that's how they kind of deal with it. But in addition to just the housing uh, part of it, uh, some of the issues, uh, some of the items that might be missing from their life, uh, uh, re-engaging with family is difficult. Sometimes friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and the, COVID just made that harder, didn't yes. it? Yes. And then the uh, disconnect of the camaraderie between the soldiers, uh, you know, could make a big difference. Coming back after a period of time, uh, things have changed. Uh, either friendship uh, locally in their communities have changed. So the shift of their lifestyle changes so much that, you know, you end up with with issues that you have to deal with. And it's, uh, you know, I would say yes. I, I agree with everything that Antoinette said. And, and sometimes it's the way we've done it. Maybe it's not the proper way in, in the the drawdown so quickly it could actually affect most of that. It, it could employ it. I mean, it's it could be a, a large issue. It's all the more reason for everyone to give, really. I mean, I know I sound like a, a fundraiser, but for heaven's sake, I mean, literally these people were in war zones for years and years and years. And to your point, they were there because they wanted to protect the women and the children as well as, as the men. And they come back and they have nowhere to live. And they're frustrated by decisions that they had no control over. And now we're treating them like second-class citizens because they don't know how to fill out a resume. I mean, it's just it, it's just unconscionable. And, and it's funny because Antoinette and I are totally like-minded. As Paul was reminding us that Ford and Giulio is my sponsor, um, I know Ford and Giulio actually contributes quite a lot to your legal services, don't they? They're incredible. Um, Chris Giulio himself, I served with in the California State Guard, and that's right. I believe he, um, I, I believe he's a captain. And uh, Brendan Ford uh, and I, along with a UCI Law, recently filed a complaint to protect a widow of a veteran that's in her 80s. And uh, you know, the credit to Staff Attorney Doug Tennant who's been practicing for over 30 years. And wow. um, he works at Veterans Legal Institute. He doesn't look that old. <laughs> it's, it's the philanthropy that keeps him young. There you go, people. Um, he, he works at Veterans Legal Institute. He's dedicated his retirement to working full-time with us. And um, he met this widow, and her house was about to be foreclosed upon because uh, through a loophole in an egregious system, uh, people came and took advantage of her, mm. um, selling her on something, um, windows and doors, at four times the price and telling her it's a government program and then eventually quadrupling her mortgage payment of a house she's lived in for over 50 years of and course. Um, trying to foreclose upon her. So, um, you know, Doug was able to work with some people in the finance industry, save her home. And um, when we shared the story with Ford and Delio, they said, we want to take this pro bono. That's and fantastic. So coupled with UCI law and some other strategic partners, um, we've been able to file suit. And our ultimate hope is to um, prevent future veterans and um, their widows or widowers from falling victim to these scams. And um, we've also had some legislators find out about it, and they've been doing uh, town halls to warn their constituency about the scam. So Ford and Delio is definitely an incredible firm. And I again, I, I believe that um, the type of leadership that we see that people develop in the military mm-hmm. 
really is a powerful skill and, and tool to have in your belt. So it's been an incredible experience with them and working with them and, and watching how generous they are with their time and expertise. Wow. What a story. I mean, you know that I'm a Marine widow and it just hurt to hear you say that. Like, I can't imagine if I was facing foreclosure on my home, it would, it's devastating. And to put an 80 year old woman in this position is unconscionable. Yeah, so. And she lives on a fixed income. She's not a wealthy uh, person. So, but you know what? Cases like that take hundreds of hours worth of resources. So it's not something a legal aid like Veterans Legal Institute mm-hmm. can do on its own. So we really rely on private attorneys to donate their time pro bono to help us with these types of cases so that we don't have to turn her away so that she doesn't lose her home and become homeless after 80 years of living. And so here's yet one more way that we can all help give back because Ford and Giulio is a brilliant law firm. They are my law firm. Um, They do business law. They do contract law. They do litigation. They do mediation. And more people, if more people hire them, and have them give them expert counsel that will give them the opportunity to do more pro bono work. So again, it's a tangential way that everyone can help give back to the veterans. So having said all of that, um, I want to get a little bit off topic and uh, I have a few more questions that I, I love to ask because we've talked about what you do professionally. I know you and love you as individuals, so I want the listeners to get to know just a little bit more about you too. So every week I ask everyone questions, kind of like, you know, the Vanity Fair or the, or the Proust questionnaire. I'm going to start. Um, actually, you just like fight over it. Whoever wants to answer first is fine. So. All right, Nick, let's arm wrestle. Right. Okay. <laughs> I won't mess with this guy. <laughs> so what city do each of you call home? Uh, Huntington Beach. Yeah, we're neighbors, actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. Same city. So what do you like about living there? Gosh. That Nick is my neighbor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that, too. Yeah. Well, you know, we have uh, quite an amount of uh, local businesses that we frequent and the beach and everybody's friendly. It's uh, mm-hmm. Surf City, you say? It's hard to be grumpy at the beach, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Then, since this is a show about real estate, tell me what compelled you to move to Huntington Beach. Was it just the beach or was it something else? Well, for me, it was the weather. I'm, I'm, I'm originally from the East Coast, from Brooklyn, and I didn't really like living in a place where it was too warm. So living closer to the beach, it's a little bit more breezy for me. So it's more comfortable. At the same time, I enjoy the sunshine. So year-round in the 70s, is, it was compelling? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about you, Antoinette? What brought you to the beach? It wasn't as good. As, I'm from the East Coast, too, Nick. Yeah. I, could, I definitely appreciate the 70-degree year-round. Although I consider myself a, a child, an international child. And yes. um, as soon as COVID goes away, I'm. if anyone wants to jump on a plane and take me anywhere, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> um, I'm, I was waiting for the whole Lebanese connection. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. That is right. Both, both Nick and I are born in the United States but have Lebanese parents. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, my grandfather, World War One U.S. Army veteran, wow. uncles in World War Two in Korea. So we, uh, you know, being Lebanese, we, we contribute so much to the uh, communities here too. So you're both of Lebanese descent. Um, what generation American are you? From my father's side, mm-hmm. second, mother's side, third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm first generation. Yeah. See, and I'm second generation. Um, for half of my family too. And people look at me and they're like, oh, she's corn fresh from the Midwest, been here forever. But no, my I come from a family of immigrants as well. We came from Finland. You know, I noticed that a lot of the sons and daughters of immigrants are super patriotic Americans because when you um, Mm -hmm. understand kind of where you came from and where you are, and especially us living in paradise and having the freedom to be 
whoever we want and more importantly the opportunity yes. in the United States you just live a life of incredible gratitude we have so much abundance and well you know Mick's story my late husband Mick he was a military brat his father served in the US Army um, and the Air Corps and he was a photographer and so he was deployed over and over again um, Korea and Vietnam so Mick was raised with his sister in Australia and he came back to the U.S. when he was 17 years old because he wanted to be in the U.S. military just like dad. So you're absolutely spot on. The immigrants are all about patriotism and serving and giving back. So this is my favorite question and often the most difficult. What is your most treasured possession? Well, I possess my children, so there you go. I believe, <laughs> at least until they're eighteen, we're getting there. Yeah. But oh, and those boys for now, yeah, those sons of mine. Um, they are my nothing else. Uh, you know, comes close to to my family. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I would agree. Uh, family comes first. Mm -hmm. You know, we love them to death, and mm -hmm. uh, kept my daughter close. She's first year of college, and kind of convinced her to stay home. So I'm, nice. I'm kind of fortunate in that. So yeah, she is and. Her brother, uh, both of them, I love them. You That's know, and so my good. friendship with Nick and his wife, Neda, is also yes. very near and dear to my heart. By the oh. Nick, I didn't want you to think that I forgot about you. <laughs> By the way, I'm coming over for dinner tonight. <laughs> Hop over next door. There's a lot of love in this room. Stop by. Oh, my goodness. So this may be the same answer, but what do each of you consider your greatest achievement to date? And you've got so many. Yeah, I, I, I don't think personal achievements, uh, you know, are ranked up there in my point of view. I, I like to see, say that if I could uh, achieve what I'm trying to do now, that would be a great achievement is giving back to the community, uh, you know, my veteran brothers and sisters, uh, mm -hmm. making sure that we leave a legacy. Uh, I, I think being kind is the most important thing to each other. It makes a massive difference. Absolutely. It does. Yeah, I, I'm, I think what Nick said is spot on and just um, really continuing to progress in what's important to us and, and being cognizant of of our goals and how we want to give back to our community. I mean, my the network of love that I have, I think, whether it's like my family, my friends, my colleagues, my clients, mm -hmm. my team at Veterans Legal Institute, I'm so proud of it because ultimately I feel loved and I give love and I think... Um, you know, you can get all the accolades in the world, but if you're not having, if you're not surrounding yourself by people who love you and, and loving people back, life just isn't as enjoyable. So um, I'm very proud of, of my network and the people close to me. That is such an important message. And this morning when I was driving in here, I was thinking about each of you and about how you're almost never not smiling. And, and Antoinette, I mean, you've got a smile that should be like trademarked, <laughs> always smiling. And you're always smiling and you're always joyful and you're always leading with love while you're solving homelessness issues, while you're helping someone who's traumatized by PTSD or other things get care. You, you choose. You choose to surround yourself with the difficult stuff in life for these veterans and you smile all the way through it. And I just cannot applaud you enough. Well, it be, beats the alternative, yes, right? Absolutely. I look way cuter with a smile. On you me. do. No one wants to be angry. You Come do. On. And I think my favorite Antoinette is the Antoinette wearing something sparkly, holding a glass of champagne. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's go. that's. Hey, is it's six p.m. somewhere, Wendy? So <laughs> let's get out of here. All right. So let's close with this. Do you have a personal motto? And if so, what is it? Living made simple. Nice. I think that. 
I think um, I just like to live along the premise of having an attitude of gratitude. You know, like you said, Wendy, it's a choice. Yeah. Um, we're, we, no one has a monopoly on suffering. So you get to choose when you wake up if you want to be smiling and happy or if you want to just sulk in, in misery or, or complaining or be depressed. And so, I mean, albeit there are some mental health issues that can supersede that. But I do try to, no matter what's going on, whether it's personally or professionally, maintain that smile pass it along and be grateful for all the blessings of my life. You're such a gift. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Paul's going to tell us about next week. I am. I am. You caught me by guard. I'm just listening <laughs> to these stories and I'm caught up in this whole thing here. Well, let's join us next week when attorney Kevin McDonough. 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 Mm-hmm. I got to get the Scottish in there. McDonough uh, joins us on this week with Wendy and be sure to follow Veracity Real Estate on Instagram and LinkedIn. Or find us anywhere your favorite podcasts are found. That's going to wrap it up for this week with Wendy. Join us again here on Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, as we stream live from the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.